everyone. I'm Kayla. And I'm Silas. And this is The Adventures of Kayla and Silas, a podcast about everything travel. Each week, we cover travel topics that we find interesting and that we hope you will too. Right now, Kayla and I are on a cruise. But we're recording this early, so actually not. We're in our friend's basement. We're in our friend's basement. While this is airing, we'll be on a cruise. You'll get updates about that later. Videos, pictures, podcasts, etc. But... Today, we have a very special guest. She's been on the show before. You may remember her from an episode where she drove to Scotland to hang out for one hour, and it was a nightmare of a trip. Welcome, Katie, to the podcast. Gracias. De nada. Okay. (laughs) So today, what we're going to talk about, rather than uh, failed, Katie's already won martini, and failed road trips in Scotland... Although, Katie's going back to Scotland she to is, redeem herself. To redeem mm-hmm. herself. We're going to talk about her experience in South America, namely in Paraguay. Kayla. Yes. Take it away. Oh. Well, I think Katie will be better suited to talk about her experience in South America. <laughs> but but I did. That's what you think. I did come up with some questions because I know a little bit more, I think, about your time there. So first, I think that you should just explain to everyone, like, why were you in South America. Okay, so I was a Peace Corps volunteer. I started applying for the Peace Corps in 2011 and did not get accepted until 2014. It was a very lengthy process. Supposedly that process is not so lengthy anymore. Prior to the new application system, so when I applied, you didn't get to have like preferences or pick your country. Really wanted to wind up in Africa because I had lived in Kenya before, but I randomly wound up in Paraguay and I was thrilled. I didn't know the first thing about Paraguay. I just knew I wanted to be in the Peace Corps. I did no research about it before I went. All I knew was that it was one of two landlocked countries in South America, second poorest next to Bolivia. And so I went there in May 2014 as a community economic development volunteer with Peace Corps. And yeah. And so how how long were you there? Peace Corps, a full commitment of Peace Corps is 27 months. So I was there for a little shy of 27 months. Awesome. Yeah. So while... You were there, obviously, you traveled mm-hmm. around, and you experienced the culture of Paraguay mm-hmm. itself. I know that you didn't speak Spanish before you went, mm-hmm. right? You learned it mm-hmm. on the job, so to speak. But I was curious, what were some of your favorite destinations from not just Paraguay, but but broader South America as well? Yeah, I mean, I love Paraguay for the people and because of the experience, but it's not... It has very little tourism. For example, there's no direct flight from the U.S. to Paraguay anymore. They canceled it in 2014. Hmm. While I was there, I had the opportunity to go to Brazil, Chile, and Argentina. And I loved Brazil. I highly recommend Brazil. I would spend a lot of time there. Also, Paraguay, Argentina, and Brazil meet at one point in the east And there is this enormous waterfall, depending on the side you're on. In Portuguese, it's called Foz de Iguazu. And Iguazu Falls. Iguazu Falls, right. And you can see it from both the Brazilian side and the Argentinian side. The Argentinian side is out of this world. Am I getting these mixed up now? No, I'm pretty sure that's the right one. (laughs) Sorry. And that is unreal. It's so cool. That's awesome. That's on our list, Iguazu Falls. Yeah, I recommend going to both sides. Awesome. Noted. Noted. Duly noted. Okay, so so you really liked Brazil, Iguazu Falls. What about Ar- Argentina or Chile? Were, or were there any like kind of standout? It's remarkable being in Chile 
which is just like a plane ride away from a Paraguay with how advanced it is. It's very much like the U.S. In fact, in some degrees, it's far superior. Like, I think it's one of the biggest tech companies in the world. You might want to Google that before publishing that. But it's like, it was a stark contrast going there and having, you know, the four-lane freeways, and it just felt like being back in the States. Mm. Argentina is cool. I didn't do a whole lot there besides we were in Buenos Aires, and we went to Foz de Iguazú, and I went to Mendoza to do some wine touring. Actually, I guess I did a lot in Argentina. And we also <laughs> went to Bariloche. Bariloche is very beautiful. I would put that on your list. It's in this mountainous town filled with lakes. Mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, like, craft beer stuff to do there and just excellent steak. Oh, I ate the best steak in Argentina. Everywhere I went, I would have different steak. I really recommend, if you're going to eat steak, ojo de bife, which is ribeye, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds delicious. Yeah. Steak, Argentinian steak is definitely on the list. It's been recommended to us several times. We actually ran into a banker the other day who... Was Ecuadorian. And we told him that we were doing our trip to Central and South America. And he said, oh, I'm Ecuadorian. You should definitely go to Argentina and have their steak. That's funny. And I was like, what about he literally Ecuador? Said, he literally recommended nothing in Ecuador. He only recommended Argentina. I also, in Brazil, I loved Brazilian food. Feijoao and feijoada. I'm sure I'm butchering those, are both really good. One of them is just black beans and the other one has like pork in it, I think. Mm. And then in Brazil, if you get a chance, I was only there for like two days and it was raining the whole time. But there's this island we went to called Ila Grande. And it is an island where cars are not allowed. And it's just this island with this cute little town on it. It's kind of like at the base of a mountain. It's very small. And a lot of people surf there, just hang out. And the town is so cute. And like you can stay in a hostel and eat delicious food. That was one of the coolest things I've ever done. That's awesome. What's it called? Isla Grande, I-S-L-A, and then gran- Grande, like, but with a J. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Great. Perfect. We will include a link to that in the show notes if we can find it on the internet. <laughs> I want to circle back really quick to mm-hmm. your experience eating olives out of your martini glass. Are they delicious? Very good. Very good. Okay. I want to circle back to your experience with Peace Corps mm-hmm. and just talk a little bit more about you. You stated your role, and I'm not going to say the full title exactly, but if you could state that again and then tell us a bit about the things that you did within Peace Corps in that role specifically. Sure. So Peace Corps is divided into sectors, and not every sector exists in every country. So it's based off of the need of the country. And in Paraguay, we had four sectors. We had mine, which was community economic development. We had agriculture, we had an environmental sector, and we had a health sector. Community economic development, I'm going to see if I can remember these pillars. But the goals were like to increase citizenship of particularly youth, so to help them become like actively engaged citizens, to help with micro-businesses and teach people like financial literacy skills. And I don't remember the rest of them. Oh, I think family finance was one of them. And Peace Corps is such a special thing because depending on where you are in the world, you really just get to craft your own work. You find work as you build relationships with community members. And so I kind of like got a niche into the community when I started um, by teaching English, which is kind of a quick win in Paraguay. I didn't do it with any seriousness because you can't learn a language with an hour class once a week. But it really helped me get to know some of the people in my town, which I should add is Itacurubi de la Cordillera. 
And Silas will link to that in the show notes if you can find it on the internet. It's, Thanks. You can because it's actually a like a mini tourist destination. Its wait, motto wait, wait, wait. is. You said that there weren't tourist destinations. It's a, it's a tourist destination for Paraguayans. Its motto is El Jardín de la República, the Garden of the Republic. It's very Ooh, beautiful. Yeah. Sounds fancy. So I started by teaching English just to get to know people, and I met a lot of young people that way. And so gradually what emerged was we created this youth group, and the youth group did a bunch of little projects around town. I taught a micro-business class, which to me is the funniest thing, but I didn't create it. I had a manual for it. You made a video. I did make a video. Oh, that's right. I would love to link to that in the show notes. Sure. If you can send us a I link I absolutely to that. can. Mm-hmm. It's about how to recycle batteries correctly it's a great it's a great video yes for the subject matter Mm -hmm. there aren't a lot of videos from paraguay about recycling batteries so i would say this is probably the top i would say video likely yeah in its category Mm -hmm. of paraguayan battery recycling Mm -hmm. video i think it's up there with the best of them (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it it was it was a lot of fun to see because you were working with i think you were working with some of the kids in this youth group that you were for Me- the video? Mentoring for the video. Correct. Yeah, that yeah. was my youth group kids. They were like 17 and 18, juniors and seniors in high school. And I mean, we did a lot of fun little projects. We had a gas. They're awesome. Took a bunch of them to summer camps. Peace Corps would like hold summer camps in various locations around Paraguay. And then if if you found two kids who were excellent members of your community, you got to bring them. And it was just really fun. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So... Just to focus back in on Paraguay, well, I guess I have two different questions. We'll start with this one. You said you like the people and your work, I think, while you were there. But what did you love most about Paraguay? Like, to think of it, like, what is the one thing about Paraguay that just stands out, like, that you don't find anywhere else in the world? It's going to be such a cliche to say, but, you know, it took me a really long time to say that I loved Paraguay because... It's not an exciting place to be. There's not a lot to do. It's very, very, very slow paced. People are extremely calm. But at the end of the day, the thing I love most was the people. Paraguayans will tell you, and people who've been in Paraguay will tell you that Paraguayans are the nicest people in the world. And that was true for me. My host mom has texted me every single day since I've left Paraguay. Every single morning, she sends me a text with like a little kissy emoji and she always asks when I'm coming back, and she always tells me how much they miss me. Wait, to be clear, how long have you been back home? In I've the been States? back home for a year and a half. <laughs> so yeah. it's like 500 plus text yes. messages. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's definitely the people. And then I kind of referenced this um, just now, but Paraguay has a very tranquilo culture, which means tranquil, but it means more than that. You could link to my blog if you so cared in this podcast because I wrote kind of a a fairly illuminating blog post when I was there about the tradition of terere. And terere is a uniquely Paraguayan thing. In Argentina and other countries in South America, you'll find mate, which is that like loose leaf tea you drink out of these wooden cups with a metal straw. Paraguayans drink that in the winter, but in the summer we drink terere, which is that, but with ice water because the summers are ungodly hot. They're like averaging 110 to 120 degrees for months on end and very, very, very humid. So terere to me is such a great symbol of Paraguayan culture because what you do is you gather with whoever is present, a coworker, your family, 
friends, and you find a spot in the shade, and you sit on chairs, and you drink this tete and you just pass it around. So one person pours the water, and they pour the water into the cup, they take a sip, they pour some more water into the cup, they pass it to the next person in the circle, and so on. And you just sit for hours doing this with people because it's the only way to beat the heat. And at first, it was the hardest thing to get used to because as an American, I was like, why aren't we doing anything? Why aren't we talking? We're not even talking. We're just looking at each other. (laughs) We're just talking about how hot it is. But after a few months, I began to realize that that's actually a beautiful thing that is so hard to find here, where you just sit in the company of good people and enjoy the stillness and enjoy feeling refreshed. It's, It's amazing. Right. Because it's like we always have to have if we if we spend time with friends, it's like, okay, it's a coffee date I have from one to two. Right. Or whatever. You're doing something. You're talking about something. But like my host mom, when I first got there and I was lonely and miserable, she and I would sit on her upstairs balcony every night in the summer. And she would just sit there and talk at me in Spanish. I had no idea what she was saying, but we would just sit there and drink today for hours. And I remember thinking, why is she doing this for me? Like, why is she spending time with me when I can't understand her? I can't respond. But I realized that it was just because she's a good person. That's really cool. Yeah. And it probably wasn't, if if it's normal just to sit and drink tarot, then it's not, it's not putting her out to, right. to, exactly. to keep talking yeah. to you until you understand. Yeah. Because that's kind of how you learn Spanish, right? Yeah. That's, that's your host mom. Yeah, I credit her completely. Because <laughs> she just talked at you until you knew what she was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And she always corrected my Spanish, which was kind of an anomaly because Paraguayans are so nice Mm -hmm. that they will not correct your Spanish. So like Peace Corps, the very first line of the brochure they send you when they tell you get into Peace Corps Paraguay is like, if your goal in Peace Corps is to learn Spanish, Paraguay is not the country for you because they have notoriously really bad Spanish and it's a dual lingual, dual lingual. It's It's dual lingual. Yeah, it's bilingual country. So it has two national languages. It's one of its native languages, which is Guarani, and then Spanish. And so Paraguayans speak in what they call Jopara, which means in Guarani, like a mixture. Mm -hmm. But I just refused to learn Guarani because I couldn't be bothered because I was trying to learn Spanish. That's crazy. Does does everyone in Paraguay speak? Yes. And Paraguayans will tell you every Paraguayan I've ever said, because I asked that question, and they'll say, if someone says they don't speak Guarani, they're lying. Hmm. So some of like the elite people in Asuncion, the capital, mm-hmm. I've met one girl who said she didn't speak Guarani. And I would relay that to other Paraguayans and be like, she's lying. Because Guarani really? is viewed as, yeah, it was viewed for a really long time. Paraguay had one of the longest dictatorships in the world, a 35-year dictatorship by this guy named Straussner. Oh my gosh. And he really wanted Paraguay to become this like elite like whatever place. And so Guarani was really looked down upon as like, you know, this tribal language that's just for the natives. And, you know, there's racism everywhere and there's racism in Paraguay, especially against darker skinned Paraguayans who identify as native or who don't speak Spanish or who speak limited Spanish. So there's obviously a bias against Guarani as being baser. But I could talk about this all day. You guys got me started on the tangent. No, I think it's so interesting, though, because I, I knew that there was a native language in yeah. Paraguay, but I didn't realize that it was something that most people spoke. I just yeah. assumed it was kind of like yeah. a Native American language here in the States where Mm-mm. people who are from that culture speak that language, but that's right. it. it. So then a few years back, and I don't know the date, it became mandated by the government that Guarani be taught in the schools. All the students I worked with hated it because no one really speaks 
perfect Guarani, just like no one speaks perfect Spanish. It's always a mixture of the two languages. Mm -hmm. And the more rural you get, the more you're liable to hear way more Guarani. And the, sure. and the more metropolitan you get, the more like you, likely you are to hear way more Spanish. But so like my friends would always just speak Spanish to me and try not to say too much Guarani. But the thing about Guarani is that it endears you to people because it is such – it's like the heart of Paraguay besides Tereré. I had a friend once say that learning Guarani – being able to speak Guarani in Paraguay is like this. Let's say you're in high school and you have a best friend. And between you and your best friend, you have this secret code language that you made up. And then one day a new student comes to the school and they start speaking to you in that code language. You would instantly be like, oh my God, you're like our new soul best sister. Friend. Yeah, yeah, right. And so that's how Paraguayans are when anyone can say a foreigner can speak any Guarani at all. That's so interesting because I feel like... Often when you travel around the world, when you can speak in someone else's language, there's just kind of this moment right. of like, oh, wow, you've right. taken time to get to my language. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Which I think Americans generally don't understand right. that concept because our language is so prevalent mm. that mm. we don't have to yeah. feel, we don't have, we never feel excited yeah. when foreigners know yeah. our language because, oh, well, it's just English and people should know English if they're, yeah. you know. But that's so interesting to me because you would think that it, that Spanish would be the language that people feel that way about mm -mm. throughout Par South yeah. America. Of course, Brazil speaks Paraguayans Portuguese, don't identify as Spanish speakers from my experience. One phrase they always say, they'll tell anyone who will listen, is they'll say, we think first in Guarani. We only think in Guarani, but we're translating when we speak Spanish. We're translating our heads. And that's really evident in the grammar. Mm. Because in Guarani, to make a word plural, you don't add an S. You add something else. Sure. And so that's one of the reasons Paraguayans never pronounce S's at the end of a word. So whenever they speak in plural, you can't hear the S at the end of the word. And it's funny because they have this really weird accent, right? And so when I was in Foz de Huasu or in the Argentinian side to go see the falls, we went out to dinner and I was ordering for my parents and me. And the waiter goes, where are you from? Because I was speaking in Spanish. And he just like looks at me very quizzically. And I said, well, I'm from the U.S., but I live in Paraguay. And he's like, oh, that explains your accent. <laughs> so, Well, because Argentinians have their own very, very they do, distinctive but it depends Spanish on, yeah, accent. But it depends on where. It's very high-end in Buenos Aires, but it's not ubiquitous. That's so interesting. Yeah. Cool stuff. Mm. So we, will definitely, we will definitely link to your, your blog post on that because that sounds really cool. Please do. Oh, I was just reflecting that that's – so interesting to know. And if we do make it to Paraguay, that would be really good for us to know that because I didn't realize that Guarani was considered such this like, yeah, I can oh, like, like universally yeah. important thing to all Paraguayans. I can say like a few cute phrases in Guarani, like I'm full after a meal or just like various things like that. And if you say them, people's faces light up. Right. And so my mother came to visit me. And I phonetically wrote those phrases down on this little scrap of paper. And so when we would go visit families, she would like pull out her piece of paper and read the phonetic spelling and they would die. <laughs> they thought it was the most charming thing. My mom was a huge hit in my town. That's awesome. Yeah. Is Guarani a written language? Yes. Okay. But writing it out in its own language would not have been helpful. To your mom, I Sorry. probably just don't. Or you know just don't how even to know. spell it. So got it. So <laughs> yeah. phonetically, worked. right? So interesting. Okay, if someone listening to this were going to Paraguay tomorrow, mm -hmm. what would you have them do besides Iguazu Falls, which you've plugged several times? 
Because mm, I know it's not touristy, but like what would someone yeah. do if you did go to Paraguay? So I would go to Asuncion. Asuncion is the capital and really compared to anywhere else in South America, it's very inexpensive. There are a couple really nice hostels. I can send you links to the ones I would recommend. There's one that we would always stay at in downtown Asuncion that was really, really cool because you would walk in and it was just a normal building. But if you continued past the kitchen, it had this, there was no roof, no ceiling, and there was a pool like right in the middle of it with these like swingy hammocks you could swing over them. And it was, it was really nice. So awesome. I would caution visitors, especially if you're non-Spanish speaking, especially if you're blonde, especially if you're like obviously not Paraguayan, be really, really careful in downtown Asuncion. It can be really dangerous. There's some great bars down there that are really fun. It feels like another world because it's not like the rest of Paraguay. There are a couple great restaurants I can recommend in Asuncion. There are some museums. There is actually forgot about this. There is a town, there's a part of Asuncion that I think is a really poor neighborhood. And someone decided years ago that they were going to take all of this recycled art and like decorate the neighborhood beautifully with like bottle caps and just like recycled stuff they could find. And you can go there and you can climb atop this like tower and overlook all of Asuncion. Oh, cool. It's That's awesome. really weird. And then there's like cool graffiti down there and stuff. And then I would say... Go to Encarnacion. Encarnacion is in the south. It's about probably a six-hour bus ride south of Asuncion. And it is this kind of tourist-made town that the Paraguayan, I assume, the government made. They made this man-made beach because it's this river. It's on a river that divides Paraguay and Argentina. And so there's a lot of, like, fun stuff to do there, party stuff. In the summer, it's, like, as much of a beach town as Paraguay can get. And then I honestly would recommend my site, I would say, because when right when I left Peace Corps, which was a year and a half ago, my site, somehow the government got the funding to, so my site is known for its arroyos, the rivers. It has a lot of rivers running through it and beautiful nature. And somehow they got the funding to create this, which to me seemed really advanced. They went to the public beach and they put in like a zip line that goes over the river They also have a hanging bridge that you can walk across. There's like little trails you can hike. There's some other stuff to do there too. And for Paraguay, this really strikes me as very innovative and kind of fun. It's great for like kids, but it's it's kind of like an adult park. And then they also have like these cantinas, like my host mom owns one of the cantinas, where in the summer people just come, they buy their beer and they buy their hamburgers. They just sit in the river because it's the only place where it's not deathly hot. And, you know, drink their beers and dance to really loud music. So I, I would recommend that. That's so awesome. Very cool. How far is the town you lived in from, like, Asuncion? On a public bus, it's about three hours. If you're in a car, much shorter. But And then sure. that was pretty close. It's really easy because Paraguay has two international highways in it, Ruta Uno and Ruta Dos. <laughs> and wow. I lived on – it. my town is on one of those freeways. Okay, so for perspective, I just looked this up. All of Paraguay is less than 7 million people, and Asuncion is about half a million people. So it's a really small country. Paraguay is really interesting because of its, because of its, the way it is in terms of, I'm only. <laughs> it's really interesting because of the way I'm that it is. I'm thinking in Spanish now that I'm talking about it, and I want to say because of la naturaleza, which is not the word in English, because of the nature or whatever, because two-thirds of Paraguay, Okay, if I'm getting this correct, Paraguay is kind of shaped in this weird way. And most of its residents live in like the bottom third of the country, 
where you can farm and grow things and it's not so hot. But then there's the part of Paraguay called the Chop the Chaco, El Chaco, which is above this river. And it's very hot, very arid. It's not a desert, but it's close to a desert. And there's like nothing up there except these Mennonites who like produce milk and then sell their milk. That's another like thing you guys cows? should research. Yeah. Another <laughs> thing you should not research. Milk. No. <laughs> okay. Another thing you should research is the bizarre and large Mennonite population that lives in Paraguay. Huh. They do not speak Spanish. They all look like me, blonde hair, blue eyes. There was a Mennonite colony um, a couple miles down the road from where I lived, and they had a hospital. And whenever I would meet a Paraguayan, they'd be like, are you a Mennonite? And I would say, no, I am not. Um, <laughs> and they had negative impressions of Mennonites because they kept amongst themselves. They homeschooled their kids. Didn't learn the didn't language. Didn't speak Spanish. Sure. Did they were come really from wealthy. Europe or did they come from North America? From what I hear, it started in Russia. They were persecuted in Russia, so they made their way to Ukraine. They were persecuted in Ukraine, so they maybe made their way to Germany. They were persecuted there, so they made their way to Canada. They were pe- persecuted there, so they made their way slowly down to South America. So they're huh. all over Bolivia and all over Paraguay. You may or may not want to include this in this, but there is a really fascinating – I think it's a Vice documentary on YouTube called The Ghost Rapes of Bolivia – And it's about Mennonites in Bolivia, which I just assume is identical to the Mennonites in Paraguay. But it's a fascinating documentary. Interesting. Okay. We might link to that. (laughs) You should watch it first. It's very disturbing. We might watch it first. Yes. And then we might link to it. So before we link to any of that or we watch anything, I want to ask you a couple more questions. One, what are some of your funniest slash craziest travel stories while you were in Paraguay. The first one that immediately comes to mind, and this is really funny because this is the same girl I went to Scotland with and talked about on your podcast. My best Peace Corps friend Ashley and I were going to Brazil and we were meeting up with my best friend Jennifer, who was already there. And Jennifer, mind you, is this seasoned global traveler who just naturally like picked up Portuguese in the week that she was in Brazil before we were. So she was on Ila Grande. And Ashley and I had flown into, what's the city? Sao Paulo? No, the other one. Rio? Yeah. We had flown into Rio. And Ashley and I are both, you know, we're, we're in the Peace Corps, so we're used to being dirty and, you know, kind of humble. But for whatever reason, we were feeling really luxurious on our $300 a month stipend that we got from Peace Corps <laughs> when we landed in Rio. So we looked at each other across the airport when we're collecting our bags, and it was like our brains locked, and we approached each other and we were like, you know what we should do? We should cancel our hostel reservation for, net- for tonight because it's already 11 p.m. And we should just like splurge and get a beautiful hotel on the beach. And we were like, great, that sounds lovely. So we got this like $110 hotel on the beach and just a third of our monthly salary. It was a hot wire hot deal. It was lovely. So we went to <laughs> the hotel. On a night when you couldn't start at like 4 p.m. Yeah. enjoying yeah. it. It was lovely. So we woke up the next morning. We enjoyed our luxurious breakfast. And we were like, okay. We were wearing our dress. We were like wearing strapless sundresses with our giant backpacking, like our North Face backpacks over them. We were like, all right, we got to get, we got to make our way to Ila Grande. Like, let's get to the bus station. But we were like, you know what we should do before we go to the bus station? We should do one last nice thing for ourselves because we're going to be with Jennifer in a couple hours and she doesn't like to like do this kind of stuff. So let's just go to the spa real quick. (laughs) 
So we go to the spa, like right behind the hotel and get all these services done. I go get a wax or like a bunch of waxes and I emerge from the back room and Ashley's having her hair blown out and her nails painted simultaneously. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we, you know what? That's our last and how much splurge did that of the cost? day. Cheap. I mean, spas in South America are cheap. That's another good thing you should do in Asuncion. There's an amazing place to get a massage. You can link it in here. Okay. <laughs> So this will be this is the, the we're show. gonna rename the podcast things Katie thinks everyone should do in Asuncion. Yeah, it's with it's like, a fifteen dollar hour long massage. It's so good the girl actually climbs on top of the table and like presses her entire body weight into your shoulders. Anyways, so noted. We go back into the hotel. We go to the the concierge and we're like, "Hello, sir. Could you please give us directions to the bus terminal?" So because we're going to Ela Grande, and he's like, "Well, I certainly could." Or I could refer you to my friend right outside who could personally drive you in his own private cab three hours across the country to Ila Grande. <laughs> and like, and how much did that cost you? It was at least $100. The bus would have been like 15 bucks. It was some exorbitant fee. Did you? And we looked at each other and we're like, you know, why not? Why not just enjoy this? So we get in this beautiful black car with like all leather interior and drive in this privately chauffeured vehicle almost to La Grande. And so you blew your entire month's stipend in less than 24, 12 hours, maybe. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. It was, it was great times. That is, that is a good story. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. I've been more reckless with money. That's that's amazing. This has been a really fun show. The last question that I wanted to ask is just do you have any advice other than the advice you've already shared but any advice for us and or other people looking to travel to South America? My ad- general travel advice is always be as flexible and chill as possible and Also, just because this is a huge pet peeve of mine, when something goes awry, as it invariably will, don't complain about it because everyone's in the same boat as you. So don't sit there and complain about how unfortunate it is that the bus didn't come or whatever. Just laugh about it because that's what traveling is. Love it. Great advice. But that's our show. As always, we ask that you leave any questions you have in the comments section below, or if you have a specific question, feel free to email us directly or connect with us on social media. Our email address is Kayla and Silas at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest by searching Kayla and Silas. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. If you listen on iTunes and or Stitcher and would leave us a review, that'd be great because it helps other people find our show. And we're on YouTube. And we're on YouTube. Why didn't you say that? Once again. We're Kayla. And Silas, wishing you luck with your upcoming adventures. <laughs>